really excited for our trip. I'm so excited. I I've wanted to go there for so long and I'm yeah. definitely going to need to um I don't know, get with a couple of my coworkers that are fluent in Spanish and like <laughs> brush up on it. Yeah, get a Rosetta Stone for a sec. I don't know. Yeah, well, and I've been to both both coasts, multiple coasts of Mexico, but never the interior. So I'm really looking forward to going to Mexico City. See, I've never been to the Pacific side, but um, yeah, I it'd be it'd be fun, but I'm so much more excited to go to the capital. Yes. So hello everyone. Hello. This is Blood and Wine. My name is Brittany. I'm Tyler, and this is episode 21. Yes, and if you've listened to episode 20, then yes. um, <laughs> you know that uh, where uh, this conversation is stemming from. <laughs> yes, my um, serial kill, my female serial killer, yep. uh, La Mata Viejita. Uh, terrorized Mexico City in the 90s and early 2000s. Yeah. And that gave us the idea of, you know, we really want to go to Mexico City. Yeah. And we touched on it a bit, actually, I think for a little while uh, in the I episode. Think for a chunk. But we were looking at each other earlier today and we're like, wait, why don't we actually fucking do this? Mm-hmm. Like, let's make it reality. Well, we looked at flights and you know, from Austin, they were quite expensive. And I was like, you know, I bet there are a ton of daily flights from Dallas or Houston. And there are. And there are, and they're not that expensive. Yeah, this is going to be a trip that is super on a budget. Yes. And and that'll be okay. We're still going to be able to do everything. We were reading up on prices in Mexico City, and, like, some tacos were 75 cents. Oh, my God. And no. a beer is a <gasps> dollar. What if we recorded an episode while we were in Mexico City? Yes. I just thought of it, but, like, how cool would that be? Because we're probably going to get an Airbnb, so we'll have, yeah, like, a we'll have a space. And, I love this idea. Okay. okay. And then, obviously, during that episode, we either need to find a Mexican wine or, you know, maybe we do margaritas or an actual local cocktail. I love it. So stay tuned. It'll be next spring. Yes. We're uh, we'll looking, do that. looking at, uh, what, April? Yeah, we're looking at April. And I'm actually going to make a note right now that says that we're going to do this. So we have no excuses. It is true. So, <laughs> ooh, we could do like a series where it's, um, or episodes around the world and maybe we're there maybe we're not but Mm -hmm. maybe one of our themes are a location like a country and we just pick a crime from that country I like that because we've mentioned doing different special episodes that where maybe we don't drink wine maybe we do um, an episode where we drink vodka and if we did like a Russian episode we could do a blood and vodka yeah. I'm just saying. So I'm loving this idea. We'll have to be in agreement because we want the drink and the topic to be the same country, but we're it's happening. Yeah. All and y'all yes. should totally comment on our social media and let us know um Ooh, and we if you have inc- some countries you'd like us to chat about. We could include cocktail recipes and all that fun stuff. <gasps> yes. Yes. I'm okay. I'm loving this okay. idea so much. <laughs> So, and this happened right here. Right here. Right now. Right here. Right. Anyway. It did. So what are some of the things you're looking forward to seeing? I mean, I'll be completely honest. At this point in time, I don't know a lot about Mexico City other than it's like 
in the middle of Mexico, and it's really big. I haven't and done... And it's beautiful from pictures I've looked at. It's gorgeous. I haven't done a ton of research yet, but I really want to spend time and see the plaza, see the Frida Kahlo Museum. Oh my god, but yes. I'm, I want to do that so bad. And yes, then, I forgot that was in Mexico City. Um, Absolutely on our list. Just by our trip's timeline, probably wouldn't have time to go to like see the volcano that's nearby. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, we could see it from the city. So that works. Oh my God. Um, yes. But yeah. And then just I go to little, just like hole in the wall restaurants. All of them. Well, and we'll be able to travel around the city as much as we want. Cause it's really big, but the mm-hmm. Metro is 25 cents a ride. So cheap. Well, so. and then, and then I was reading that Uber like is the go-to. Oh if, yeah. If um, you don't want to do Metro. If you don't want to do Metro and it's, good if you don't speak English because you can still like set it off on your phone your destination and all that yeah and by don't speak English I meant don't speak Spanish <laughs> um, yes yes I because if you don't speak English that. you're probably would be fine in Mexico City if you speak Spanish yeah um, you would no I'm so excited I did want to uh, take a second to mention all of our wonderful uh, supporters on Patreon yes thank um, you Patreon community it is y'all are amazing just incredible and it by the time this episode is out we will probably not have a website yet no but we'll be working on it um i was like wait when does this happen yeah um but that is that is thanks to y'all like the website um getting better equipment all of our plans we have laid out in the future for all of you is thanks to our supporters on patreon yeah and if you are interested in seeing what they see our murder minis all that fun stuff yep uh check it out blood and wine podcast um it's on patreon different levels of yeah donation subscription and I really enjoy recording our murder minis. I do too. And we are increasingly adding things on as far as like we're talking about recipes. We're going to put those on there. I'm trying to post more behind the scenes type photos. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I posted one from the other day when we were recording where we're sitting on my couch drinking wine. I've got football on (laughs) and we're talking about murder. Yeah. I got a great picture of like my foot in the background. It's great. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but so things like that and our show notes are going to be up there as well as on our blog on the future website. But mm-hmm. I think we'll make those available to to Patreon before then. Yes. Um, but yeah. So thank you to everyone who's on there. Check it out if you're interested in some extra content. Yes. And um, yeah. Our, do we love your support? Like we, it. Y'all are. You're just, what make us successful. So yeah. thank you. I, y'all are just incredible. Like I can't. I, I don't know how to, like, describe. We the don't know of, how to say thank you yeah, enough. <laughs> yeah. So. But kind of jumping off of that, you know, if you enjoy our episodes and you want easier access to them, notification when yeah. they come out. Hit make subscribe. sure Yes. Make sure to subscribe on whatever platform you're using. Um, iTunes. Stitcher, what I mean, I don't know. All the ones. All of the all of the different platforms that we're yeah. on that you're listening to us on, make sure to subscribe and then you'll be notified as soon as we upload our new episodes. Every Tuesday. Every Tuesday at twelve oh one Central Time. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yep. So, yeah, it has been an extremely long week. It has it's been. It's been a great weekend. It's been a wonderful weekend. And I don't know about you, but normally I would be a little like, oh my gosh. We're, so this is Sunday night and we, yes. all, we all have work tomorrow and everything. But normally I wouldn't be so like, oh, yay, we're recording on Sunday night at 8 p.m. But I'm not yeah. minding it at all. No, I... Just... It's fitting, and with the the way the weekend's gone, and yeah, and I I had a great weekend. I mentioned I bought a car. Yes, um, yes. yesterday, <laughs> and I've been without a car since February. So yep. Brittany's been driving me around. I've been the since chauffeur. I moved to Austin. I had to sell my car to move. Yeah, pre podcast um, times here. I finally have a car, and I love it so much. Yeah, it's pretty so. amazing, and I like that. I'm not doing all the driving anymore. It's true. So that's very nice. But even not just the car, it's been a really nice weekend. It has. We've been, we've done some editing. We've done, we had an amazing lunch today. I made steaks on the cast iron grill. Oh Brittany God. made some seasoned green beans. We had a Caesar salad. It was incredible. So yes, but it'll be. I don't know. I'm also not dreading going back to work tomorrow. Like it's just all around positive. I know. Same. Uh, it's just tomorrow's Monday, and I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah. All right. Well, what's going on, like, around... Before we hop into the topic, what's going on in current news? Did you hear about the needles in the strawberries in Australia? No. What? Yeah, I know. Um, I saw it on CNN earlier. So there are reports of, like, hundreds of people finding, like, sewing needles and pins in the strawberries, like... it, Like, the strawberries in the containers you buy from the supermarket. Inside them, there are needles. What the fuck? Like, yeah. sewing needles? Like, yeah. What? Like, needle, ne- just needles. Like, sewing needles, yeah. Do they have any idea why or what's going on? No. No idea. So, it's, they've been found in, like, every single region of Australia. Yeah. Um, and at least six different brands. So, it's not the same, you know, it's not like one factory worker putting needles in strawberries or whatever. And oh my god, so it's like a wider spread thing. Yeah. And then New Zealand has recalled like a big Australian strawberry brand yeah. for safety. And everyone's like freaking out. Like everyone's advising people like before you you know, if you have strawberries, make sure you cut them up first. Yeah. Because there's fucking needles in strawberries. Because I... strawberry, like that's a one bite. That's a shove it in your mouth and a, a needle. Yeah. yeah, no, that's Oh my god, has anyone been injured? I don't think so yet. Jeez. I don't want to say yet, but I, I mean know. that's I a high not. probability, well, I feel. There's so many apparently and it's so widespread. Yeah. God. And I yeah. Why would someone do that? I don't even understand. I have no idea. Like that to me that just doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. But yeah, so that's that's the crazy news thing I heard. Someone's putting needles and strawberries in Australia. Yep. Well, I don't have a topper to that one. So, um, do you want to talk about the theme? Yes. Okay. But first, I'm gonna think about how much I could go for a strawberry shortcake right now, without needles. You know what I could go for? Strawberry cheesecake. I want cheesecake. Oh my gosh! Yes. Okay. I can't think too long about cheesecake. I'm gonna be sad but <laughs> um so yes jumping into what our topic is for this week uh for this week i chose abduction 
Yes, you did. So abduction or kidnapping, as a lot of people know it, is, you know, taking someone, abducting them. I don't know. Yeah, don't, against their it, will. It's pretty, it's, yeah, taking someone against their will. Yeah. And um, since this is, since we do mostly murders, mine also involves a murder mm, and a kidnapping. Too. So I kind of, I figured that was the route you would take as well. Um, but for this topic, I had, I pulled up some quick uh, statistics on abduction. Oh. I thought they were really interesting. Yeah. So in the United States, this is where all of these, um, the numbers are for, are for the U.S., which okay. is interesting. My case doesn't actually happen in the United States, but oh. this is the information I found. Okay. So in the U.S., there are approximately 1,435 kidnappings every year. Jeez, that's a lot. And that number is only an estimate. Because uh, not every case gets reported. Yeah. Especially when it, like, family members are involved. With, like, family member kidnapped their own family member kind of things? Are you yeah, mean? like yeah. family members abducting. So, you know, divorced parents. Right. Or, you know, that kind of thing. Right. Um, in 2016... 465,676 children were reported missing to authorities. And that's just oh, missing in general. my god! But yeah, almost half a million. Yeah. Granted, in the vast, vast majority of reported missing children's cases, yeah. abduction is not the issue. That's, um, I mean, that's good. Yeah, it's often, you know, miscommunication, kids getting lost, kids running away. Yeah. Lots of other reasons. Yes. But if you can only imagine that the fear of kidnapping has gone through the minds of half a million parents. Oh, absolutely. Um, and the most commonly abducted group of people are girls aged 12 to 17. Oh. But I did want to, I found this statistic, this last one I'm about to read, that is nicer. And then we're going to jump into horrible cases. But yeah. Uh, over 90% of children that are abducted by strangers make it home safe and sound. Over 90%? Mm-hmm. Good. And that's abducted by strangers. Even more than that, kids who are abducted by family members, which is the vast majority of abductions is by family members. Yeah. Um, most of those do also end up home safe and sound. Well, but even when a... it is a stranger, it's over 90%. That is definitely a bright... Statistic yeah. that uh, my case doesn't follow. Uh, neither does mine. Um, but, you know, word of advice, don't abduct people. Don't no. do it. Yeah, just don't don't kidnap people. Leave leave people alone. And For real. Abduction, it's bad. Not a good thing. Not a good thing at all. And with that, let's shift to a good thing and tell me about the wine. Talk about the wine. Wine. Absolutely, I can talk about the wine. So I picked a Bordeaux this mm-hmm. time. We haven't done a Bordeaux, and to be honest, Ooh. I want to know more about Bordeaux. Same. Um, and wines that are classified as a Bordeaux all come from Bordeaux, France, or in that region. Oh, there's okay, a lot that makes of sense. yeah. There's a lot of different areas. It's similar to Champagne, which the only you know Champagne that can be called champagne is from france yeah and everything else is sparkling wine or it's from italy and it's prosecco which has a different name which is essentially yeah i mean it's a sparkling wine but that's fair that's true over 90 percent of bordeaux wines are red and they're made with merlot and cabernet sauvignon grapes oh yum 
So this is going to be like a pretty heavy wine. Well, I guess it's a good time to tell you what wine we're actually going to be drinking. Yes. So we are drinking a Bordeaux from the Le Porte de Bordeaux winery. Okay. Um, sorry, there was like lots of saying Bordeaux twice. Yes. But they um, do have other kinds of wine other than Bordeaux. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. So they have things like a Sauvignon Blanc. They have, mm. I think there's a Rosé. And then there's an Ocmedoc. Um, mm-hmm. and that one is a, a French wine as well. I've had one when I was in Paris and they're delicious. What is it? Is it like a white? No, or... it's a red. It's a red. It's a red. It's a nice, deep, um, red that has, it's, it's approachable. It has licorice, um, spices, and it also has like blackberry and stuff in it. So is it kind of similar to like a Zen? I don't think it's as deep. As oh, okay. But um, let's actually talk about the flavor notes of Bordeaux. Yeah, but I mean, I... that's the important one. That's the one we're about to drink. <laughs> so this specific wine, um, I couldn't really find a lot about this specific one. Mm-hmm. But Bordeaux's in general, the primary flavors are blackcurrant, plum, graphite, cedar, and violet. Okay. So it's a mixture of fruits and spices, like lots of reds are. Yeah. <laughs> graphite. Yes, I don't really know about that one. I don't know about you, but I have not been chomping on pencils. I try not to. <laughs> but it's more medium to full-bodied. It's got all of these like earthy tones, um, and it does say in this blog I read that it can taste like wet gravel or pencil lead, which to me... Descriptors like that, as far as wine notes are concerned, always make me think of Psalm and when they talk about tennis balls and grandma's purse, which I know I've brought up, yes. but some of these wine descriptors are so freaking <laughs> So depending on, of course, the quality, the vintage, and what specific region in Bordeaux the wine's from, the fruit flavors can range from being really tart to a little bit sweeter. Hmm. A little bit more about Bordeaux, just about their region in general, it's... Known for its gravelly soils, which is why it has all of these graphite-driven red wines, Mm -hmm. with uh, the dominant grape being Cabernet Sauvignon. Hmm. Then there are also sub-regions that are very predominant, and the ones from Medoc, as I mentioned earlier, they're some of the boldest and most tannic of Bordeaux. And they're the ones that are perfect for aging or matching with red meat. Okay. So with our steak we had this afternoon... An out and dog would have been oh, great. Yes, we didn't have any wine with our steak. Just to let y'all know we didn't because, because we were, we're we knew we'd have it tonight, tonight, and so we saved it. Mm-hmm. So I was able to find one blog entry about the wine that we're going to actually drink. Ooh, um, and. In this moment in time, this is my absolute favorite blog, and I want to start following it because mm-hmm. it's called The Wine Idiot, When Trader Joe's is Your Wine Cellar. I love that so much because that is so real. It is so real, and it is play on words because the way it's spelled is C-E-L-L-A-R, but it's obviously also Also, you're wine, the person who sells you your wine. Yes. So they tried the 2015. We have the 2017. And it is super cheap, as most of our Trader Joe's wines are. Mm-hmm. It was $8. Nice. Um, looks like she was able to get hers a little bit cheaper. Well, I say she. I'm not 100% sure if the writer of this is male or female. But it was one that 
as far as her take on it was, was that it smelled wonderful, but the taste didn't follow through. It definitely had spices in it and the pepper came out, nice peppery notes. But she said maybe if she wanted to buy a wine to have a glass with and like and drink just to drink, this wouldn't necessarily be the bottle she would get. But that okay. it is good. But she also admitted she's not really a Bordeaux drinker and isn't a Bordeaux expert, which neither am I. I don't know. Same. It's one of those things that, well, like when we went to um, apartment 115 yesterday to celebrate mm-hmm. buying your car, they had all of these international wines and we hadn't heard of the grapes. So sometimes it can be a little nerve wracking to go for a grape yeah. that you've never had. That's not one of the common ones, mm-hmm. but y'all totally branch out because the wine we had last night oh was my gosh. amazing. It, it was, was Sicily. It was from Sicily. The grapes grew in the soils of Mount Etna. So it had like that volcanic, uh-huh. just very minerally. One of my favorite wines I've ever had. Yeah. It was so, so good. So anyway, so this one, um, inexpensive, it is a good Bordeaux, um, but maybe not one that you're just going to sit and drink when you're watching TV. Yeah. It, I think it's something that'd be better paired with food. Hey, well, we'll be the judge of that. I know we will. We'll sit and drink it while writing, writing, writing. while recording a podcast. Yes. So I'm going to go ahead and get into this. Get it, get it, get it, get it. Uh-huh. I, what are you singing? I don't. I don't know. I know it's an actual song, but. <laughs> I don't. I, d- I didn't recognize it. I just looked at you because I didn't really know how to respond. I, I don't know. If any of our listeners know. <laughs> tweet at us. <laughs> tweet at us. But kind of was singing this. I hate it. Also, I work <laughs> for the so record weird. company and I would like to speak to you about <laughs> copyright infringement. Yeah. Um, so this cork is pretty, it's not too incredibly exciting. It's a basic cork. Okay, it has a French sentence on it, and I don't know what it says. I know mm. it has the word bottle with something. It says, Missin Boutiel dans nos noches. Huh. Well, as our resident French speaker, you have failed us. I know. Um, I know. I'll have to look that up later and see what that means, and maybe I'll tweet it, because... Yeah. Or there's someone at home right now who's like, oh my god, number one, you We've, butchered the pronouncing. I know. We have number quite two. a few French listeners, so... <laughs> number two, it's just something about something in the bottle. I don't know. But... Uh, I wish so much that when I lived in Norway, I liked wine more. I know. Do they make wine in Norway? Mm-mm, it's too cold. I mean, okay, they I might figured, like but... have... A couple vineyards, but nothing on, like, a mass mm. commercial scale. But I'm just saying, like, I was literally there. I went to countries in the European Union multiple times and didn't buy any French or Italian wines. Because I was like, ooh, not a big fan. All, I I like this, like, Portuguese rosé, which is was really good. Yeah. But I liked the easier-to-drink wines. Now I'm like, ooh, I would tear up that red wine area. Speaking of Italian wine, you know the mm. friend I was telling you about who got all the Italian wine recently? Yes. She told me she'd give me a bottle for my birthday and that we should do it on the podcast. <gasps> so yes. we'll only have one bottle of it, but that's okay. that can be an episode where we do like two different wines if, if yeah. we want two bottles. Yeah. Um, but 
Yeah, when I was in Europe, I drank a shit ton of wine when I was in France and Italy. But when I was in England and Scotland Mm -hmm. and Ireland, I drank a lot of beer. See, I don't drink beer. I know. I've never found a beer I like. But when I was in London, I drank a lot of cider because I'm all about Strongbow, which is like the Bud Light of ciders in England. Like, it is just your basic, the but cheapest one so on the menu. Good. It is so good. It's not sweet. It's, like, crisp and... Oh, my God. I love it so much. And they have it in the States now. I know. They went back to the original recipe, and it is a blessing. Because we've had it in America for a while, but it's been Strongbow Gold Apple or Strongbow Honey it's Apple. It's nasty and sweet. It's super sweet because that was their formulation for American audiences. And this year, they brought back, I think in June, they yep. brought it back, original recipe. Mm-hmm. And I love it. I have a couple four packs in my fridge. Yes, but you do. we're not drinking On Strongbow. We're drinking Bordeaux. We have let this breathe enough mm-hmm. or as much as I'm going to wait. Sit fair. I can smell the spices. Oh, and the fruit. This one smells good. It does. I don't smell any like pencil or no. I don't know gravel. I don't. But I don't, I don't know, know if I would know that like. I'm tasting yeah. that Same. if I was. But All right. yeah. cheers, cheers. Mm. I think I know what they mean. I'm probably just convincing myself of this, but it's on the back of the tongue. It is a little bit earthy it's like maybe that is the gravel they're talking astringent or astringent yeah like i feel like i'm drinking my face no astringent's a word it's not just a face toner (laughs) what is it it's like um Mm. like basic not but like on the ph scale like bleach i don't oh so it tastes like bleach (laughs) (laughs) i don't know how to describe it but it's like a sour Look it up and you'll know. It's like a bitter, sour kind of flavor. Okay. Um, I do like this wine. Me I too. can understand it not being one that I want to sit and just drink and drink uh, while I watch TV. It yeah. does have flavors that you can tell would pair very, very nicely with a meal. Definitely. I will say my sit and drink and drink wine is uh, the Trader Joe's Shaw, their organic four dollar wine yeah that's my go-to that's my i have a bottle of wine in my desk that it's my emergency bottle just in case you have one of those days yeah or in case it's someone's birthday and you should have gotten them present it's a here i spent three dollars on you happy birthday if i tell them it's one of my favorites which it is then i feel like that means more than being like i'm a cheap ass (laughs) i'm like i know this is you know, I know this is Trader Joe's one, but hear me out. This is one of my favorites, and I knew you'd love it. So, believe it or not, I was reading an article the other day about how, gosh, I wish I would have pulled it up or mm. looked at it again more recently, but it was about how Trader Joe's does their wine and cuts out the middleman, and it was this, it was a big article about it that just came out recently. Mm. Um, I feel like I need to find that, and I'll tweet it or something. But, yeah. But Let yeah, it, they create good wine, so. Mm. It's true. Yep. It is true. Well, we've delayed it long enough. Um, we have our we wine. Have. I think it's time for me to jump into my case. It is. And I think this is going to be a pretty intense episode. So I almost feel the need to just give y'all a heads up about that. Yeah. Um, um, I know mine's pretty intense. And yeah, in the... Kidnapping in general is really intense. It adds... A, 
While there is some level of abduction in a lot of murders, yeah, it does add another layer to the cases we picked today. Yeah. And I, for my case, uh, Brittany did this a couple episodes ago, but I do just <laughs> you want You made it to... sound like... <laughs> No, I, I you did. shouldn't do the case. But no, I do want to have... I'm repeating the one that she did a couple episodes ago because I didn't so do my good. research. No, um, but I, I do want to have a trigger warning for my case. Um, mm. It, as all our cases, is very graphic, very brutal, but it involves a child. Uh, there's a lot of descriptions of the violence and the brutality going on, and it's a lot. This... I, I know I've said this multiple times, but I think this one will now replace um, others at the top of my list as the worst case I've done. Yeah. So um, if you would like to skip that, absolutely. Um, skip to maybe like the hour point or so is usually when we switch in the second case. Well, you say that, but mine also involves a child, so... I mean, it's... Yeah, so if if that is something that is not something you'd like to listen to, maybe this episode isn't uh, right for you. But I did. I just wanted to throw that Absolutely. out there. Absolutely. Um, and when I say the name, a lot of you will realize why, because uh, it's a pretty famous case. But mine is the murder of James Bulger. I actually don't know this one. Well, it's it was famous in England. Because uh, oh, it well, is an English why. case, uh, but it it is one that had, um, it kind of created shockwaves around the world for a bit. Oh, okay. Um, so the sources I used were Wikipedia, ATI, and the Sun. And ATI had an incredible, like, in depth story that I used a lot of my. Um, a lot of this from. I do love that when we can find sources that have a lot of information only because it, it makes it easier to determine what the best order is to tell the story in when you can see it all in one article instead of piecing it together. And I know we always do both because Mm -hmm. being on the case we pick, it may be lots of piece together research or it might be a few larger sources. That is true. So, so I'm going to jump in. Yeah. So, on Friday, February 12th of 1993, uh, in the New Strand Shopping Center in Boodle, England, which is, um, it's like just outside Liverpool. Okay. Um, Denise Bulger was out shopping with her two-year-old son, James. Oh, my so God. So, they're just having a having a little shopping day. Doing yeah. their thing. Um El- Yeah. Elsewhere in the mall, 10-year-olds... John Venables and Robert Thompson had skipped school and were just being little little shits. I do know this one. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, continue. Yeah, so uh, John Venables, Robert Thompson, being little shits, they're stealing various little items from the mall, basically anything they get their hands on. Yeah. You know, sweets, a troll doll, some batteries, and a can of blue paint. Um... Unbeknownst to Denise, James, and all of the other people in the mall, uh, the pair was also planning to find a child to abduct. God damn fucking kids. How old were they again? Ten years old. Oh my god. This case, we've talked in the past, and it, we'll we'll come back to this topic, but I just want to mention it real quick. We've talked about it in the past, but this is one of those cases that... 
really is difficult to wrap your mind around that children could do this and that yeah. it really gets into the should, you know, at what point do you... Try a kid as an adult. Well, try a kid as an adult, but at what point is the punishment too much for a child? Like, what is it? And how you determine that and mm-hmm. how... and It's one of those things that it can't be... And this is just a case-by-case basis, but it mm-hmm. is at the mm-hmm. same time. So, inside a department store, a woman noticed that two boys were trying to uh, get her kid's attention. Mm-hmm. Moments later, her three-year-old daughter and her two-year-old son were missing. Oh, both um, of them? So, this, is, this isn't this is Denise. This is oh, another woman. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, sorry, I didn't mention that. This is, uh, this is another woman. Yeah. This isn't Denise and James. Uh, so, this mother quickly found her daughter, but there was no sign of her son. So she's frantically, um, like, looking for him. She asks her daughter, like, where is he? And her daughter says he'd gone outside with the boy. Oh, no. Um, so the woman began calling for her son and ran outside where she found Venables and Thompson beckoning the boy to follow them. No! Um, as soon as Venables saw the mother, they told the boy to go back to her, and they vanished. Uh, I can only begin to try to imagine how this mother felt after she found out what happened to James. Oh, in the future. Absolutely. Knowing that Well, and she's I hope I'm not spoiling anything. I just realized I kind of gave yeah. a little but I, we I obviously mean, it, know yeah. James is the I, who said that earlier. But um But geez. uh yeah, so and she she comes back later on. She's uh Oh uh, Okay. Yeah. This event is fairly important to the case as a whole. Yeah. So Venables and Thompson were then just like loitering around kind of near a snack kiosk trying to steal some candy when they noticed James Bulger by the door of a nearby butcher shop. Mm -hmm. Um, So while inside the butcher shop um, around 3.40 p.m., Denise was temporarily distracted with her order you know she james is right here right next to her she's thinking about her order yeah and so she's distracted and then she realizes her son has disappeared james is no longer right by her side oh my god um thompson and venables had approached him took him by the hand and led him out of the shopping center and this no. moment was caught on CCTV at 3.42 p.m. Uh-huh. And it's infamous. I mean, it is... Yeah, no, we'll, I've seen it. We'll tweet it. We'll post it on Instagram because it's it's a picture many of you have seen that's yep. been referenced many times. And it's the last image of uh, James alive. Yeah. So several shoppers later remembered noticing the trio as they walked through the mall uh, sometimes Bulger ran ahead, uh, leaving Venables and Thompson to, you know, beckon him back with calls of, come on, baby. Um, these little 10 year olds are assholes. They're yep. more than that. They're actual monsters. Yeah. But yeah. They're, they're evil kids. They're, yes. So by this time, Denise is panicking. She has no idea where James is, and she's freaking out. Yeah. Um, she thought her son was by her side when she was placing the order, but when she looked down, he was gone. It's so scary to think 
that they were... It's not like she left him anywhere, you know? No. Like, he was standing right next to her, and she was ordering food. Exactly. This is something that happens day in and day out. It's not a thing. It's... Mm -hmm. And you're not... You're not not paying attention to your kid when you're doing that. Exactly. Like, she was absolutely paying attention to her kid. She just... you, You can't put... 100% 100% of your attention all the time on your kids. Like, yeah. that's that's literally just not possible. Sometimes you go to the bathroom. Sometimes you order food. Like, and God. these kids took advantage of that. Yeah, they did. So, Denise quickly found mall security personnel, described her son, what he was wearing, and at first they, you know, announced his name with the loudspeakers. But by 4.15 p.m., so about 30 minutes after um, he disappeared, yeah, there were no signs of James, and he was reported missing to the local police. Oh, God. So, meanwhile, after Venables, Thompson, and Bulger had left the mall, the toddler began... James began crying out for his mother. Uh, the older boys ignored him and continued down to a secluded area near a canal. Yeah. So at the canal, they dropped Bulger on his head and left him on the ground crying. Um, a woman passing by noticed Bulger, but she didn't do anything. Um, and the boys actually... Noticed him, like, crying? and Yeah. Yeah. But noticed he was with these two... I was Older boys, yes, because they're older than a two-year-old but not older boys isn't like to me not old enough to send off red flags i get it like yeah i get it like if the if the boys were 15 i'm sure it would have it would have been noticed more yeah but this it i mean it looked like oh this kid's this you know the little kid must be one of their brothers or something exactly exactly who like oh they have to Take him with them or whatever, you know, that... Yeah. Um, so the boys joked about pushing James into the canal. Like, they're like, oh, maybe we should push him in, like... Jesus. Yeah. So they decided not to. Um, Venables and Thompson then called for Bulger to come over, and he followed. Uh, by now, though, his forehead was bruised and cut... So they pull the hood of his jacket over his head to kind of try to hide the injury. Right, so people can't see. Yeah. Nevertheless, uh, additional passerby could still see the partially covered forehead injury. And one person said they even saw a tear on his cheek. But no one did anything. Oh, no. And I think... I think it's very easy to... You know, what the fuck is wrong with all these people? These little it, kids no. distressed and crying, and it's like, it's a, I mean, a, it looks like me, he's walking a, with his brothers. Yeah, and a two-year-old crying is not a thing. Like, or it's not a thing. It is a <laughs> it's thing. It's not uncommon. It's yeah, and little kids and a get two-year-old. Hurt. Yeah, exactly. Like it, so it's heartbreaking that no one, you know, stopped them. But also, what do you do? Yeah. Hey, kids, what are you doing? You know, because a couple people did uh, say something yeah. to the kids, and I'll touch on that here in a sec. But it's just like, what are you do? Are you, you going to take the two year old? Like, uh, yeah. exactly. Like, yeah. Yeah. 
So the older boys then kind of meandered around Liverpool past shops, buildings, and parking lots. They wound up this whole... Well, and I guess... Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but... um, Don't kids go around in in Europe and England more without their parents than they do in America? Yeah. And so, okay, that's what I thought, because I... It seems as if no one is saying, like, where are your parents? Where are Mm -hmm. your parents? Because 10-year-olds are still young. Yeah. And two 10-year-olds being in charge of a 2-year-old... If that happened in America, that would be seemingly alarming, and people would be like, where are your parents? That's fair. It... Yeah. But it... Because I I know just the culture around it in Europe is different, you know? Yes. Children have a lot more responsibility and freedom. Well, and it's similar to America in the 60s and 70s. Exactly. Like, when you didn't have to worry about your kid being kidnapped. Yeah. But um, the the journey they go on that I'm describing and will continue to describe was a couple miles. Oh, dang. Um, just kind of meandering through. Yeah. Um, they walked down... They even walked down one of Liverpool's busiest streets. Like, So they're not... And Liverpool's a pretty big city. Yeah. So they're um, not hiding at all. Yeah. I think Liverpool's a couple hundred thousand or so mm-hmm. people. Um. So some witnesses later remembered seeing Volger laughing, while others remembered seeing him resisting and even screaming for his mom. Uh, one person even saw Thompson kick Volger in the ribs for resisting, but still no one did anything. Oh, no. Um, soon after, a woman saw Thompson punch Volger and shake him, but she pulled her curtains and just blocked out the scene. Okay. Yeah. So... I don't even know how to respond. Yeah. So, one bystander did provide a glimmer of hope um, for James. With evening evening approaching, an elderly woman saw Bulger crying, noticed his injuries, and she approached the trio to see, you know, what was wrong. Yeah. But the two ten-year-olds said, oh, we just found him at the bottom of the hill. So... The older woman was satisfied with the explanation. Wait, oh, like, we just found him, as in we don't know who this kid is? Yeah. And so she's like, okay, that's why he's crying for his mom. That's why baby has a cut on his forehead. Um, and she told the boys to, you know, take them down to the nearby police, take the boy down to the police station nearby. Um, and, yeah, you know, she's like, oh, oh, such nice boys finding him. The police station's just over there. You know, that's oh where you should God. take him. She actually called out for them one more time as they walked away, but they didn't look back. Um, she was still concerned at this point, but another woman who was standing nearby uh, told her that she'd heard Bulger laughing a few moments ago, so they all assumed that nothing was wrong. That it was fine? Yeah. Not long after the elderly woman sent, you know, the boys on their way to the police station, yeah. uh, Bulger was almost rescued yet again. Um, a woman who was concerned for James told Venables and Thompson that she would take the, that she would take James to the police station herself. Yeah. Um, when she asked another woman nearby to look after her daughter while she did so, uh, that woman refused because her dog didn't like children. Um, and oh. so James slipped away from safety once again. Oh my god. Which, this breaks my heart. There are so many opportunities, and 
I still, none of the passerby can be blamed. Because you can be like, oh, this asshole lady who's not going to watch this lady's kid with just because she has a dog. Yeah. Uh, no, I get it. Like, if your dog is going to be barking and maybe even nipping at kids, you probably don't want them to, you know, you're probably not in a position where you can watch someone's kid while they go do something. Yeah. No, you're not. And I totally get that being someone whose dog doesn't seem to really like kids. I mean... Charlie barks at kids a lot. He's a sweetie. Don't get me wrong. But he's an attention whore. And so he doesn't like children because they take take attention away from him. Yeah. And they... I think he doesn't know, like, what they're going to do next, which is fair. I mean, I don't know what they're going to do next. Same. (laughs) They're... Children are unpredictable. They're... Yeah. Yeah. But Venables, Thompson, and Bulger then walked into two different stores where they interacted with the shopkeepers who, though they were kind of suspicious of the older boys, let him go. These two boys are just parading James around the city and mm-hmm. not even hiding that they have him. And, th- and James is so young that he doesn't know to... To scream for help. Yeah. Or he... I, he doesn't know well, doesn't he's know in he's trouble. In, yeah, so say he does not know he's in danger. Yeah. Gosh. Then Venables and Thompson came upon two older boys that they knew. Um, those boys asked, you know, who who's this toddler? Who's this little kid? And Venables just replied that he was Thompson's brother and they're taking him home. During this walk across Liverpool, the boys were seen by at least 38 people. Wow. So, eventually, the boys arrived at the village of Walton, and with the Walton Lane police station right across the road facing them. Um, And they had a moment of, like, maybe we should just take him to the police station. Say we found him. Boom, be done with it. Say we're ten and we don't, you know, we just wanted to play, wanted to make a new friend. That type of thought process is terrifying Mm -hmm. to me in a 10 year old because the way you were saying it especially when you said let's just say we're 10 they are they they are 10 like they thought about what are we doing yeah that's terrifying but they then decided no we're not going to take him to the police station and they led Bulger up a steep bank to a railway line that was near the disused Walton and Anfield railway station mm-hmm. where they then began torturing him. Poor baby. So if you thought you were okay and you're like, I don't really want to hear specific, just skip then the next like five minutes. Yeah, don't listen to um, this. Because I'm about to go over specific tortures. But yeah, four or five minutes, you should be good. Um, but one of the boys threw blue modeling paint. Mm-hmm that they had stolen into Bulger's left eye. They kicked him, stamped on him, and threw bricks and stones at him. Oh my god. Uh, Batteries were placed in Bulger's mouth, and according to police, some batteries may have been inserted into his anus, though none were found. Finally, the boys hit Bulger over the head with a 22-pound iron (sighs) bar, Oh which my god, resulted... how did they pick that up? I mean, it's the two of them. So. Um, and this resulted in 10 skull fractures. All in all, Bulger sustained 42 injuries to his face, 
head and body. He was so badly battered, authorities later concluded that there was no way to tell which injury was the fatal blow. Yeah. Thompson and Venables laid Vogler across the railway tracks and weighed his head down with rubble um, in the hope that a passing train would hit him and make his death appear to be an accident. Oh Um, my god. I just can't imagine these 10-year-olds and they're like, oh, we killed him well let's try to hide it like it just yeah like the thought process is more than i would have thought a 10 year old would be capable of i think more than anyone i think that's one thing that's so shocking about this case is how does a 10 year old a fifth grader how do they think think these things well how do they think to place the body on the train track so it looks like an accident i feel like most 10 year olds would be like oh my god what did we just do and they'd run away yeah or like they would hit him and then be like oh my god blood's gross like wouldn't have connected the two but because i do think kids are more observant and across the board smarter than people give credit give them credit for yes i agree but this level of just like depravity i i can't wrap my mind around their level of planning that went into Mm -hmm. this because And it may not have been a, we have a full-fledged plan from the beginning, but throughout the day, they planned their next move, or what Mm -hmm. happened to be their next move was just sick, and I don't know. So after they left the scene, uh, his body was cut in half by a train. Oh my god! The day after Bulger's disappearance... Police searched the canal where the boys had been earlier in the afternoon uh, because an eyewitness had reported seeing Bulger there. Um, And other searches were conducted elsewhere, but they all led to nothing. They didn't turn up anything. Uh, With little to go on, the, you know, James's parents were initially the main suspects. Uh, But when police eventually saw the CCTV footage from the mall... (laughs) They couldn't believe their eyes. Yeah. They, because in this fuzzy footage, um, they could see two small boys uh, leading James Bulger um, to the exit. And they could tell it was James because right age, right height, and those the exact clothes he was wearing. Like, that's him. Yeah, that was him. So once the CCTV images were released to the media, the story went nationwide and the search for Bulger intensified. When Bulger's father, Ralph, saw that it was two boys with whom his son had left the mall, he was relieved. Oh, because um, he thought that meant... Oh, God. He said, I looked at Denise and I smiled with relief. You know, he's going to be all right, Denise. Uh, he's with two young kids. He's going to be all right. That which is, is fucking heartbreaking. heartbreaking. Oh, my God. Um, that is heartbreaking. So the search ended two days after... James's disappearance uh-huh. when no. four children discovered his severed body on the railway track. Oh my god, this is all about kids. Mm-hmm. Um and oh god. he was found just 200 yards from the police station. Oh my god. Yeah, like I said this no words. No. This case is unbelievably difficult. Yeah. It is. It is, especially with how many opportunities there were for this to not happen yeah along the way and just the just how evil these kids are 
Um, so police suspected that there was a sexual element to the crime, uh, since Bulger's shoes, socks, trousers, and underpants had all been removed. And the pathologist's report found that Bulger's foreskin had been forcibly retracted. So this is very interesting to me in the sense that he was hit by a train and they could still see all this evidence. Yeah. Does it? Okay, this question may be a bit graphic, but when they say retracted his foreskin, they mean just pulled it back? Yeah. And it stays pulled back? Well, I would assume because he's two and it's, you know, he's not developed at all. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's one of those things that it probably could only be pulled back and pulled back to a point where it stays by, like, a lot of force and pain. Oh, God. Okay. Um, Okay. So all of the instruments that were used in the attack were found strewn across the area. Yeah. Uh, The iron bar, stones, bricks, all covered in uh, his blood. Uh, The stolen tin of blue paint was also found nearby. So with some of the evidence in hand and the knowledge that James Bulger's killers were likely two children, um, the police checked nearby school's absentee lists for the day of the disappearance. This happened in the middle of the day. The kids were skipping school. Um, This caused various children to be identified as potential killers uh, with some parents even reporting their own kids. Holy shit! Which, wh- what do you do when something this horrific happens and you're like, could that be my kid on the tape? You know, Tommy skipped school that day. I know he did. He said he wouldn't, but I know he did. Could he have done this? Like, that uh, is never, ever a thought a parent wants to no. entertain. No. Um... Ultimately, though, it was an anonymous phone call to the police that implicated John Venables and Robert Thompson as the killers. Uh, So the caller told the police that Venables and Thompson were both absent from school on Friday and that they had actually seen blue paint on the sleeve of Venables' jacket. I wonder if this was like a teacher or another student. I don't know. It didn't say whether the anonymous call... Because they... Obviously, they want to keep it very anonymous, but they didn't say whether the anonymous caller seemed to be an adult, a child, anything. Yeah. But yeah, that's that was my thought, that it was probably either a teacher, um, another student, or one of their family members who did not want the rest of family to know that... That they I, were the one I that think. did it. Yeah. Yeah. So the police then visited both of their homes and discovered blood on Thompson's shoes and blue paint on Venable's jacket. Both boys were then arrested as the James Bulger killers. Oh, my God. I know I, that's all I keep saying, but I just... This is so heavy. I don't know yeah. how to respond. I don't really know how to have a conversation around this. It's, uh, it's okay. Me neither. Uh, so. I, yeah. I, I had... And now I can say this, because I wanted to... I kind of mentioned this earlier, but I had thought of this case for child murderers topic that we did a few like eight episodes ago yeah i didn't want to do it though i was like no and then of course that case that i did was also super fucked up with the teenage girls murdering shanda it was insanely fucked up but as is this one yeah so despite the evidence 
Venables and Thompson weren't initially the authorities' prime suspects um, because the police were focused on other children who already had violent records. Yeah. Um, Venables and Thompson didn't have any any past records or anything. They're fucking 10. I can't... I mean, um, obviously, they don't have a record. Yeah. And I mean, the, I guess I can't really say that, but... Oh. Yeah. And while well, the police remained convinced that the two boys from the CCTV footage probably... They, they just looked 13 or 14, not 10. Like, it, it, it literally just can't be 10-year-olds. Yeah. Teenagers, pr- maybe. 10-year-olds, Can't no. wrap their mind around it. No. Forensic tests confirmed that both boys had the same blue paint on their clothing that was found on Volger's body. Both had blood on their shoes. The blood on Thompson's shoe was matched uh, to Volger's through DNA tests. And a pattern of bruising on Volger's right cheek matched the features on the upper part of a shoe worn by Thompson. (gasps) Um, a paint mark on the toe cap of one of Venable's shoes indicated that he must have used some force when he kicked Bulger. I think, obviously, any murder is awful. Any murder of a child is even worse. Yeah. But the torture... like torture that kills me. That this wasn't, you know, he got shot and died instantly. Or, or even... He... His it's last moments were in agony. The worst moments of his life. Like that is one thing that makes torture so difficult is because you know that these people suffered greatly yeah. before their last moments and that their last moments were suffering. Well, uh, it's a lot to think about. Yeah, and it's one of those in the weird reference and I think the first or second, one of the first episodes of the TV show Bones, yeah. um, they have a murder victim who um, they found who's been missing for a while, and they're talking to her parent, and they tell they tell the parents that you know she she didn't see it coming, she had no idea, and it it happened instantly. Yeah, and then later. They're talking, and uh, Brennan is like, you know, you know, why did you lie to them? I don't understand. You know, you saw the defensive ones. You saw that she fought, and she fought hard. And he was like, the the parents didn't need to know that. You know, yeah. it's better for everyone if they think that this was as peaceful as it could be. And Shit, yeah, that's real. But um, so yeah, no, that's absolutely the case, and I wonder. I wonder how often that happens. I, I would hope more often than not because mm-hmm. the family doesn't need to know. And yeah. what sucks about cases such as this one that are such high profile, mm-hmm. they know. Mm-hmm. They're going to know everything. They're going to know way more than they want to know unless they are the yeah. type of people that just decide, I don't want to know any of that and yeah. I'm not going to look. Yeah. So during separate police interviews, uh, John Venables and Robert Thompson turned on each other. Um, over the course of interviews lasting several days, Venable eventually confessed. He said, I did kill him. Uh, what about his mom? Will Will you tell her I'm sorry? And it's, it's things like that that really hit home at these kids are 10. Yeah. Um, Thompson, on the other hand, was not an easy interview. Uh, Detective Sergeant Phil Roberts said he totally denied everything. 
but in the end he shot himself in the foot by giving me a detailed account of what James Bulger was wearing. But nevertheless, throughout the entire process, Thompson remained just chillingly unfazed. Yeah. Which earned him the nickname, The Boy Who Did Not Cry, from the press. So, the boys were each charged with the murder of James Bulger on the 20th of February, 1993. So, eight days after his death. Mm-hmm. Um, and they appeared at the South Sefton Youth Court on the 22nd of February, where they were remanded in custody to await trial. In the aftermath of their arrest, and throughout the media accounts of the trial... Yeah. Uh, they were referred to as Child A and Child B. Honestly, I appreciate that. Yeah. Because if... If they had been found not guilty. Found, but also they they are children. Yeah, they are, they're minors. Yeah. So while waiting trial, they were held in the secure units uh, where they would eventually be sentenced to be detained indefinitely. Um, so they wow. were not paroled. They were not, there was no bail. They didn't go home after being arrested. They stayed there. And what type of place was this? Um, it's at? a youth, sounds like juvie. Sounds like juvie. basically what it was. I'm just trying to imagine what conditions these 10 year olds were in and how, it's like at what point did they realize like, oh, this was bad. Yeah. So, nine months later, the trial began. Wow. Um, and outs... I just always forget how long it takes for trials to actually start. Yeah. Well, because you... You don't want to... As a... Just from the the lawyer perspective, you don't want to start a trial until you have all of the evidence. You've gone over everything. You have a case to build either for and against it. Yeah. Because if the verdict swings the other way because you weren't prepared like that. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. No, I, I get it. I get it. So outside of the courthouse, people called for the blood of the James Bulger killers. Uh, people would yell, kill the bastards and <gasps> a life for a life. What? Yeah. And they knew these were kids. They knew they were 10 year olds. Like they, they knew. Yeah. The, what they didn't know okay. was their names. Okay. But they... They knew their yeah. ages. But yeah, they knew they were 10. That makes me sick. This Just uh, as sick as this whole crime. Yeah. So, up to 500 protesters gathered at the court during the initial court appearance. Um, and the parents of the two boys were moved to different parts of the country and assumed new identities um, after they received a bunch of different death threats from... Uh, vigilantes. Oh my god. Yeah. Which is... Wow. It, it, it blows my mind because... Uh, I... I Yeah. <laughs> I understand them needing to go receive new identities <laughs> and to another part of the country. Well, and I can and understand... I hate that it's because... Uh, and I'm sure there was more reason than just the death threats, but I hate yeah. that the death threats were a part of it. Yeah. Well, and I can see being angry about all of this. I'm angry about all of this. And I can understand, right. say, you know, seeing that these are 10-year-olds. 
So obviously to develop this kind of sadistic evil in them, there had to have been horrible childhoods or horrible... Uh, but what if there family. wasn't? But that just because you make that leap yourself doesn't mean that that's the case. I mean, I I didn't find a bunch of information on on their uh, family lives. Yeah. But, you know, what if it was just a fine suburban working class family? Yeah. Just, just a normal family. Well, and it's similar to the story I covered um, when James in, in Jacksonville, Florida killed yeah. Maddie. Yes, he had the issues with his dad, you know, trying to make his dad proud of him or his dad was strict. But that doesn't mean he had a bad childhood and his mom having to be like finding the body and being like holy shit i have to turn in my son um yeah so just because someone acts out doesn't necessarily mean it's based off of a terrible childhood now at the same time there are a lot of them that are absolutely so but but it it just it can't be something that is a oh they had a bad childhood and that's why this happened it may have been a contributing factor yeah yeah but it might not be the reason but lots of people have bad childhood and And turn out just fine don't do horrible things and don't murder people and lots of people do horrible things and had a fine childhood i mean it's not absolutely it goes both ways yep so popular disgust only intensified when witnesses and the media noted Thompson's cold and seemingly remorseless behavior at the trial, um, especially when comparing it to Venable's hysterical outbursts. Um, because of this, they widely assumed that Thompson was the instigator, um, even though psychiatrists and authorities have never been able to reach a conclusion on their motives. Yeah. So the boys denied the charges of murder, abduction, and attempted abduction, with the attempted one being the first child that they tried to lure away, that the mother ran out of the store and saw them. Right, right. So they're also charged for attempted abduction there. Wow. Well, good. Yeah. They should be, because unfortunately James was their second Court-appointed psychiatrists determined that the two boys knew right from wrong, and they weren't sociopaths, but they still weren't able to figure out what their motive was. They still don't know why these boys did what they did. Yeah, to this day, it's still not Not known and clear of why they did it. But I guess the boys, when asked, never really revealed or said they didn't know, and it it could be one of those things that they're literally they're 10 year olds and their reasoning was, I don't know, because, because you're 10. Yeah. And, because sometimes and maybe you don't know why you you're know, doing the things you do. Sometimes when you're 10, you want to break something because you want to break it. Like that's, that's the reason. Yeah. So maybe they wanted to do this because they could do it. They, yeah. Thompson and Venables did not speak during the trial, and the case against them was based to a large extent on more than 20 hours of recorded police interviews with both of them, which was played back in court. Yeah. Uh, Thompson was considered to have taken the leading role in the abduction, uh, though it was Venables who had apparently, uh, you know, 
initiated the idea of taking Bulger to the railway line. Uh, Venables later described how Bulger seemed to like him, uh, holding his hand and allowing him to pick him up uh, on the meandering journey to the scene of his murder. Oh my god. The prosecution admitted a number of exhibits during the trial, uh, including a box of 27 bricks, a bloodstained stone, Bulger's underpants, and the rusty iron bar described as a railway fish plate. Uh, The pathologist spent 33 minutes outlining the injuries sustained by Bulger. Many to his legs had been inflicted after he was stripped from the waist down. Mm. Uh, Brain damage was extensive and included a hemorrhage. So John Venables and Robert Thompson were convicted of murder, making them the youngest to be convicted in Britain in 250 years. Wow. Um, As the jury foreman read the (sighs) verdict, Venables and Thompson were sitting in an adult court dock that had to be altered so that they could see over it. Yeah, because they're fucking Because ten. they're 10. Uh, the <sighs> judge told Thompson and Venables that they had committed a crime of unparalleled evil and barbarity. In my judgment, your conduct was both cunning and very wicked. At the close of the trial, too much controversy. Yeah. Like, this is a very controversial part of it. Uh, the judge lifted reporting restrictions and allowed the names of the killers to be released. Um, Why? He said, I did this because public interest overrode the interest of the defendants. There was a need for an informed public debate on crimes committed by young children. And I disagree, but I don't feel good about my disagreeing. What do you mean? I think that they are 10 years old and cannot legally can't they cannot give their names out yeah and i think the judge should not have been allowed to but i understand in a case this horrific this horrendous that yeah to be talked about to learn more about it to be more in the public mind, their names are important. It's important yeah. to see them as John Venables and Robert Thompson rather than John Doe 1 and John Doe 2 or Child A and Child B. Right. So it was a tough decision Yeah. Um, on his part, I'm sure. So Venables and Thompson were then sentenced to serve at Her Majesty's Pleasure, which is a youth uh, juvie facility, um, and it is standard protocol for juvenile offenders that are convicted of murder and manslaughter. So this indefinite sentence had no maximum, but did have a, men- a minimum that was determined on a case-by-case basis. Okay. And in this case, it was eight years, at which point the boys would then be 18. Right. After that point, the they would both be assessed... And if they were no longer deemed a danger to society, mm-hmm. would be released. In June 2001, both killers were released and given new <gasps> secret identities and granted legal anonymity for life. 
due to the public fury that surrounded their trial and due to the danger of people hunting down the infamous James Bulger killers in order to take vengeance. And they're for sure that no one knows who they are? Well, there's more. So today, while Thompson is believed to be assimilating back into society and living a quiet life, you know, he's under his new identity, not known by his real name anymore. Um, Same can't be said of Venables. And remember, Thompson was the one who everyone said, he's the mastermind, and Venables just followed him. Right. In 2010, Venables was imprisoned for downloading images depicting various kinds of sexual abuse being inflicted upon male toddlers. What the fuck? So he, apparently this affected him well into his adulthood. Yep. So he became eligible for parole in 2013, um, at which time uh, Ralph Bulger, so James's dad, uh-huh. uh, told the parole board that he couldn't forgive his son's killers and that Venables should not be released. Nevertheless, he was. Oh. So he's understood to have been living in a secret location in the north of England under a second new identity. Holy shit. Um, that was given him to him following his release in prison in his release from prison in 2013. Wow. In November of 2017. Holy shit, recently. Recently. Uh Venables was again imprisoned when more child abuse images and a pedophile manual that provided instructions on how to rape children. Holy uh, shit. Yeah, was discovered on his computer. After his arrest, he told the cops, this is my own fault. I have let people down again. I have had urges. Okay. So John Venables was sentenced to three years and four months in prison, which um, is not far from half the amount of time that he served in joining Robert Thompson in torturing and killing James Bulger uh, almost 25 years prior. I know that case was really long. It was long, and it was really, really intense. Yeah. Like I said, the hardest case to research um, that I've ever I done. I am. I'm kind of regretting that we did a Survivor episode like two episodes ago, because I could really go for one now. But I'm just kind of glad that uh, we have a full week until we're recording again, because I'm going to need it. Yeah, you're going to need some, to take some time off, and... And I will say, my case isn't going to be any brighter. Joy. Before I jump into my murder, and as we open the second bottle, I'm going to break the tension a little bit. Okay. And just let everyone know that the message on this cork, Mien Boutiel dans nos chez, means bottled in our cellars. Did you look it up while I was telling my story? I did. Wow. Towards the end of it, rude. it got a little intense, and I looked it up. A little intense? Towards also, the, towards the end? Um, Towards the end is when I looked it up. Okay, fair. I couldn't take it anymore, so I decided to distract myself. Yeah. 
I'm gonna distract myself by downing this bottle of wine. We definitely need the second bottle. We definitely need it. So while you open that, I'm gonna go ahead and hop into my story. This one's not easy. I can tell you're struggling. You're gonna break that cork. I know. Try spinning it in a little bit more and do the arms. It's uh, in there tight. You got it! Pour that one, pour that one. It's This is not like a live TV audience show. Pour that wine! <laughs> yeah, that's not what this is. No, it's Although, not. if y'all want us to do live shows, let us know. Yeah. So, while you pour that, like okay. I said, I'm going to get into mine. Yes. Um, also, but yes. Also, of course it's bottled in your cellar. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying. That's what it says. Uh, but also, yes, we totally want to do live shows, so let us know if you want us to, if you come and see that. So, the sources I used for this case were Murderpedia, ABC News, News Blaze, New York Daily News, CNN, Web Sleuths, and NBC News. Wow. Yeah. There's a lot of information out there. So on the morning of November 11th in 2010, a woman named Tina Herman did not show up for work. She worked at a Dairy Queen in Mount Vernon, Ohio. Okay. After not being able to reach her, one of the managers decided to go visit her home just to check on her and make sure everything's okay. The scene found when the manager entered the home was not what was expected. There was a substantial and unusual quantity of blood all throughout mm. the home and empty beer cans strewn about, which was a sign that someone who was not supposed to be in there had been in the home. Yeah. Did she not drink beer? Uh, I mean, not to the amount where she would be throwing it around the house, empty cans. Fair. Okay. The manager called the police and four people were reported missing. Oh. Yeah. So, it was the mother, Tina Herman, who was 32, mm-hmm. her two children who lived with her in the house, 13-year-old Sarah Maynard and 10-year-old Cody Maynard, and one of Tina's best friends, Stephanie Sprang, who was 41. Oh, okay. Police began searching for clues, anything that could lead them to where the missing people were. On Thursday, November 12th, authorities locked down nearby campus Kenyon College, where Tina's truck was found parked nearby. So her car had been missing. They found it randomly at the campus. Okay. And a 30-year-old man named Matthew Hoffman was brought in for questioning because he was found sitting in his car near where, uh, like near this bike trail where they found the truck Mm -hmm. on the campus. And he's just sitting in his car, like, watching it happen. And he just seems... Oh, that's weird. It is. It is. And the police were like, no. Dude, yeah. Like, who are you? What are you doing? Items found in Tina's home led police to a surveillance video at a Walmart where they saw Hoffman, this guy who was strangely sitting in the car, mm-hmm. buying trash bags and tarps. Okay. So, they invited him in for questioning. Yeah. Additionally, police found some evidence linking to all of these missy, missing people in bags at Fountain Park. And this was a park there in the Ohio community in Knox County that was close to where Hoffman lived. 
Okay. So they finally receive like the go ahead to go into Hoffman's home. Yeah. Like this guy just seems super suspicious. Yeah. He's buying trash bags. Like they get a warrant to investigate and see yeah. what the fuck is in what the fuck is in his house. Yeah, no, absolutely. The first two police officers who entered the home discovered mounds of leaves so high that their first thought was the bodies were buried underneath them. It wait, in his like in his yard? No, no, no. In his home. So Hoffman like, collected leaves. So in the living room, there are photos you can find online. In the living room, there's just leaves covering every inch of everything you can imagine. Like you can see the furniture, but all of the floors covered in a good two foot of leaves. Why? I'll get to it later. Okay. Um, additionally, all around the house, there are plastic shopping bags, like ones you get at Walmart or HB or something, yeah. that are full of leaves hanging on the walls. So you go into his <sighs> bathroom and you look at the wall and it's just bags of leaves in lines everywhere. And it's just a shit ton of dead leaves. Dead leaves. That's... Like fall time leaves. It's such a fire hazard. It's an extreme fire hazard. Like, <laughs> um, okay. So the police are worried that the bodies of all these missing people are buried in these leaves. So yeah. They, they kind of start looking through them, oh. searching the home, and Sarah, the 13-year-old Sarah Maynard, was found in the basement. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Oh. So she had been kidnapped. She but was, she was alive. She was alive. Okay. She was bound hand and foot. And was confined to this makeshift bed of blankets and leaves that Hoffman had put together for her. What the fuck is this dude in leaves? I don't know. And she was also wearing a plastic bag as a makeshift diaper. Hey. Uh, yeah. So she, and then this will come out later, but I guess she kept wetting herself because, I mean, he was holding her captive and wasn't yeah. allowing her to do very much and he got tired of washing her clothes so she's oh wearing a plastic God. bag the other three missing people tina cody and stephanie were nowhere to be found in the house they weren't there um it was around this time due to how many days had passed and it had been less than a week but mm -hmm. they began to suspect that they were potentially dead yeah However, there were still volunteers and authorities on the ground and in the air continuing to search for the three of them. They were mm -hmm. searching ponds, vacant buildings, bike trails, anywhere they could think of in the community that these people could be hoping still that they're going to find them alive. Yeah. So Hoffman, the guy who had kidnapped Sarah, he was this unemployed tree trimmer. And he confessed to investigators that he made this bed of leaves for her and covered it with blankets. And he told her that he, she, the little girl liked the bed and it was very comfortable. Um, and, you know, it was so comfortable that I even wanted to sleep on it. Um, and so he's, he, at least as far as he's portraying, he thinks he's doing something nice for her. Is he like mentally aware of what he's doing he's aware of what he's doing we'll get into that later. okay um while he was holding sarah hostage he gave her a book treasure island to read and they watched iron man together according to his confession so the way he's making it sound is as if 
he brought Sarah to his house and they were just hanging out. He cooked her meals. They spent time together watching movies. He gave her a book. Like he made her a nice bed to lay on. That he's giving her this good home, good place to be. And they're just company. Yeah. Um, however, moments after the rescue, Sarah told police that she was late for school because she's 13. She's really innocent. God. And she asked if they could take her to school. She also told police that she was afraid that Hoffman had killed her dog. And later Hoffman would confess that he did kill the dog because it wouldn't stop barking. Oh my God. Um, Sarah also told police that Hoffman cut her finger with a knife, gagged her, and that he said he was going to release her before Christmas so she could see her family. What the Fuck. And um, according to further records, Hoffman did later confess to raping Sarah. Jesus. So she's again 13. Yeah. So after they arrested Hoffman, they found Sarah, they arrested Hoffman, and they needed to find out where the other victims were. Whether they were alive, whether they were dead, if mm-hmm. they were dead, where their bodies were. Mm-hmm. And the police interviewed Hoffman for hours and hours and Hoffman for the most part sat there in complete silence he wasn't saying anything he just wouldn't talk nothing Okay. and they would interview him for a few hours and he wouldn't talk they would stop they'd come back the next day interview him for hours he may say a couple sentences and he'd stop talking hours pass like it just was this process of this dude is not fucking saying anything yeah Hoffman ended up having a bad dream that finally prompted him to start his confession he told an investigator that he had a dream about being at a food processing plant and he said he opens a trash bag and he saw all these cut up body parts and he starts getting a knot in his stomach. And this was his dream. Yeah. Like, he's at this food processing plant, grabs a bag, opens yeah. it up, sees all his, the body parts. And he gets, like, the knot in his stomach. And that's when everything came back to him. Because he was saying he didn't know. Yeah. He was saying he didn't know anything. And then... The... And then he just wasn't talking. What? Okay. Yeah, he would say he didn't know. And then he just wouldn't talk. So they didn't... They have anything other than, like, the Walmart cameras and the fact that they found Sarah to know that he had something to do with the disappearance of the other three victims, Tina, Cody, and Stephanie. Yeah. Okay. Um, Hoffman asked an investigator to allow him to write the location of the bodies on a piece of paper and then stage an escape and shoot him so he would be dead, so he didn't have to be alive anymore. Which is oh, what being dead means. Yeah. Okay. What? Who? Wait. So to have like the cops and stuff shoot him because he's trying to escape. Yes. He wanted it to be staged. He wanted the cops to allow him to quote unquote run away and then shoot him and kill him and he's dead. And that way he's done with this. He doesn't have to deal with anything. But it is appears as if maybe he thinks maybe... He's tough because he's trying to escape. But he's literally asking this cop to stage this thing out. And the cop's like, no. Yeah. (laughs) Um, They were like, 
we do not agree to your terms, which obviously they wouldn't weren't going to do that. Yeah. But because they said no, he then stopped talking again. So they oh still don't God. know where the bodies are. Two more days passed and they finally broke him and he told them where to find the bodies. Hoffman led the police into a wilderness area northwest of the town of Fredericktown, which was also in Knox County. Mm-hmm. So this is in Ohio. All of this is taking place in Knox County. There's Mount Vernon. There's this Fredericktown. I think there's another town I'm going to mention. But it's all like... Okay, same 20, area. Yeah, between like 20 miles with each other. Yeah. He walks mm. them out to the wilderness. And he took them to a very specific tree... I think it was one of his favorite trees. Okay. I mean, he's obsessed with leaves, and he's a tree trimmer, so... He loves trees. Uh, okay. So he takes investigators to this tree, where the remains of Tina, Cody, and Stephanie were oh. found in trash bags placed inside the hollow opening of the tree trunk. Oh, fuck. So, like... So it's a, it's a cut-down tree... Where there's just this tall stump left over that's dead inside, so it's hollow. He had dismembered their bodies, put them in trash bags, and put them in the tree. Fuck! I could see it being very likely that if he did not take them there, they may have never found yeah, these people. No. Because... Until sorry, someone had some reason to cut down this one random tree. Jesus. It, they may have never been found if he didn't end up confessing and taking them there. and Because then he could, like... I mean, he probably still would have got a trial for murder, but... Yeah. I mean, if they never found the body, if they never found... I, I mean, mean he could have, have gotten been, off. Yeah, there wouldn't have been that hard evidence. Jesus. At this point in time, this case turned into one of the worst homicides in Knox County history. Like, Yeah, had, that's a three people, one of whom's a child. Yeah, Cody was 10 years old. Jesus. And then mom and best friend. So, after these bodies were discovered, the rest of the horrific story came to light. What had originally been Hoffman planning out a burglary, it quickly turned into this, like, insanely twisted nightmare of a story. Hoffman agreed to write his confession with all the gruesome details of his crime to avoid the death penalty. So, I get it. If he gives the police the whole story... All of the evidence, like, lets them know why the fuck he did what he did, what he did, yeah. why he did it, then he, the death penalty is taken off the table. Yeah. Which I agree with that. I agree with that. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean you I know agree, how I feel about the death penalty I don't penalty agree with general, death penalty, so obviously but, I'm like, okay, yeah, take yeah. that off the table for doing but, this, great. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Hoffman ended up writing this multi-page detailed confession where he told the story of what happened. So apparently he stumbled upon Tina's home and he was watching it. Oh. He was planning to rob them, but he never intended to harm anyone. Well, that didn't work out. He <sighs> did not know any of these people. He didn't know Tina, Stephanie, oh kids. Oh my god. This was completely random chance. I mean, it doesn't it it wouldn't make it any better if he did know them. But somehow it being just random. It being random adds to the terror. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, then that could literally be anyone. And um, so, yeah, he did not know them. So he slept across the street from the house 
on November 9th in a sleeping bag. Just across the street. Yeah. So it's it's November 9th. It's around like midnight. He goes there and he's sleeping in a sleeping bag so fucking across creepy. the street. And he woke up when it was daylight. Why wouldn't he sleep in his car? I don't know. Maybe he had a sleeping bag in the car. It wasn't specific. Oh, okay. Just a bit in the sleeping bag. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So the two vehicles, as he wakes up, he sees the two vehicles that had been in Tina's driveway parked outside that house. They were gone. So he was like, oh, okay, no one's home. Now's the time where I go in to rob them. Yeah. So he slips through the garage door, which was ajar. Mm-hmm. And he, he said there was this certain amount of excitement being in someone else's home without them there. Mm-hmm. You know, being somewhere you're not supposed to be. And so he was looking for anything valuable that he could just grab and take out. Yeah. After about an hour... Hoffman said he found nothing that was worth stealing, and he's about to leave, and then Tina returns home. Oh, Tina. So, Hoffman hides in the bedroom, and he says that he he could not escape without jumping out a window. Okay, then jump out a window. I know, and I'm like, jump out the fucking window then. Get out. He had a blackjack, which is a club, and a pocket knife. Okay, my only thing is... Jump out the window or literally run out of the room and run out of the front door. What are they going to... They're going to scream, try to get away from you, and you're going to run out the front door and they're never going to see you again. But it's the fear of being caught. And it's Uh, like, it's the must erase all witnesses. Yeah. The fear of being caught for robbery should be a lot fucking less than murdering someone. I know. but Three people. But clearly, he's not... I mean, okay. obviously, he's not in his right mind or, or yeah. in a right mind. Yes. Yeah, that's but, okay. So he has a blackjack and a knife, and he brought these with him so he could, you know, seem intimidating. Like he wanted to seem tough. Okay. And then he said Tina saw him. Hoffman and Tina fought. He knocked her on Did the she, bed. Did she like come into the bedroom? Yeah, she caught him. Like, okay. so she saw him. She, um, she and him fought, he knocks her on the bed, and he starts beating her over the head a couple of times with the, the blackjack. What the fuck? But he, he couldn't knock her out. She was not unconscious, and he is panicking. And around this time is when Stephanie comes over. Oh. So, Hoffman said he had no idea why Stephanie was there. Obviously. Why the fuck would he know? Yeah. Um, He doesn't know why she's there. He doesn't know how she got inside. And Stephanie sees what's happening. And she starts screaming, screaming at him, yelling. And he's panicking Mm. even more. Because now there are, quote unquote, two of them to deal with. Oh. He took his knife. And he stabs Tina on the bed through her back twice. Oh. When this is happening, Stephanie runs into the other room. Yeah. Hoffman found her, stabbed her several times in the chest. Jesus. After that, he goes back to Tina, stabs her more times until he could tell that they were both dead. Fuck. So at this point, he's saying he is in a state of shock. Oh, he is in a state of shock. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yep, so sorry, Hoffman. He's in a state of shock, and he kills the dog because it won't fucking stop barking. And he's trying to decide what he, what he's going to do. What are his next steps? 
He starts thinking of several different options, including, you know, maybe he's going to burn the house down so he can burn the bodies inside. And Literally, it doesn't work. Uh, it doesn't. <laughs> he has, like, you know, teeth. Um, because don't they burn last? Well, bones, for the most part, like, in a house fire, bones aren't going to burn. Right, because it doesn't gonna get hot see, enough. Yeah, and then you're going to see, like, oh, there's knife marks. And even then... Let's say for some reason the bones do burn up. Do you think they're not going to be... They're going to be like, must have been electrical fire. They'll be like, there's clearly a pattern of accelerant here. Someone did this on purpose. Oh my God, we found two sets of teeth. This was arson and murder of two people. Well, like, clearly, I mean, you can tell he's not so bright. I mean, I guess, but okay. So, like, he is trying to figure out his next steps. Other than burning the house, he's thinking of maybe disposing of their bodies in a pond that's nearby. Like, he'll just throw the bodies in the pond. Bodies float. Stupid ass. <laughs> I'm just saying, bodies float. <laughs> they do. They do. Bodies don't really burn, and they float. Like, even when you also don't them. murder. Just, you know what solves all of these issues? Don't, don't murder. Don't kill people. Don't, yeah. don't do it. Um... Around this time, when Hoffman is trying to figure out his next steps, the children come home from school. Oh, fuck. So, Hoffman confronts the children, and Sarah immediately runs into the bedroom. So, she's 13 years old. She's like, who the fuck are you? Runs into her room and hides. Yeah. Does she see anything? Uh, I don't know. Okay. I don't think so, because he probably confronted them in the living room, and the bodies are in the bedroom. Okay, yeah. Hoffman grabs Cody, stabs him in the chest a couple of times. He's ten. I know. He, literally, if you're trying to get rid of witnesses, he's ten. He's going to describe you as this a man. It's a man who's in my house who shouldn't be in my house, who has brown hair. Yeah, maybe, maybe he'll get the brown hair right. Maybe he'll start describing him like his favorite book character. I don't, he's I know. 10. I know. So he stabs Cody and then he's face to face with Sarah in the bedroom. And he did not stab her. He could not bring himself to kill her. Instead, he takes her to his house near downtown Mount Vernon and held her there for about four days. And then, as I said, during this time, he sexually assaulted her. Uh, he kept her hands and feet bound with duct tape and forced her to sleep on the bed of leaves. At... And she... She has to live with... Like, that's something that mm-hmm. I'm sure will flash... Through. She'll think about it every day until she dies. Well, and when police found her in his home, she didn't know her family was dead. She had no idea. And so not only was she, you know, she went through this kidnapping, torture, uh, sexual abuse. Then she finds out her family's dead. And, I mean, it's just, it's heartbreaking because she's 13. She has barely lived. But she's lived enough to remember all of this. Yeah. Like, this is not... I mean, it would be awful if all this shit happened and she was three, but, like, fuck, at least then you probably might not remember it. Yeah. 
Or feel... if she was 70 and she's had a life and the... But this is going to live with her... Forever. Forever. God. Um, 13. Yeah. Yeah. After he dismembered their bodies, put them in garbage bags, he used like this rig and pulley system Mm -hmm. to pull them into the tree trunk, which was like 60 feet high. Oh, God. If it's just... Like, if it's not a stump and it's just a regular tree that's indistinguishable from other things, then... Well, and it's in the Cocosine Wildlife Area near Fredericktown. So, and so it's a wide, like, wilderness area. Like, there are it's about just, a billion other trees around it that look just like it. Fuck. So. It, they would have never been found. No, they like, would not they have. just, there's, the, the only way they would have been ha- found would be by, like, the sheer planets align lucky storm rolls through knocks down this tree and the bags bags fall out out. and someone finds them and someone opens them like it just they wouldn't have been found i know sarah would have never known like she would have happened she would have known but she would have never known that they were murdered and well but you know you say that and well she would have like what's better not knowing or knowing that horrific thing. See, the thing is, she would have known they were murdered. And not she known would have that known, they were. But she would have never, she would have always wondered, just a tiny part of her mind, just, maybe what if? Maybe, what if they escaped? Maybe, and maybe he kidnapped dead. all of us and I was the only one who was found. Or, but, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know what would be better. I've never been... And never, hopefully, and never yeah, are. yeah, yeah. Um, as it turns out, it this later came out that Hoffman drew the attention of the police just the day after the murders occurred oh. because he returned to Tina's home to burn it down. And at that time, authorities were at the house again because the manager mm-hmm. from her job had gone, visited, saw the blood. Yeah. And so they saw Hoffman drive up and they, they took note of that. Yeah. And that was what began the trickle of then they saw his car at the oh, university. And then they, and then they, they saw him on the oh. camera. And so that's how they're they... like, this is the, we've seen this guy three times now. That's not a fucking coincidence. Nope. And more than enough to get a warrant uh, to go to break into his home. Yeah. So when it comes to why, why the tree, why all the leaves? Yes. Um, I had almost forgotten about the fucking leaves in the house, and I just, I need to know. It's such a bizarre thing. I'm going to post a picture on our Instagram of the leaves in this living room, because it's... We have at least two pictures from this episode coming out. Uh, we do. It's really fucking weird. Yeah. Um, These leaves were not connected to the murders at all. Okay. But forensic psychologists said that Hoffman's obsession with the leaves and trees definitely indicated mental illness and delusion. Um, They called the obsession with leaves bizarre and very unique from other convicted murderers. Yeah. Leaves are, I mean, I guess he's in the tree trimming business. So there's probably a part of that that, Oh, I'm trimming your trees. I'll also rake your yard. Well, and it's something that makes him feel comfortable. Okay. Which 
I know, I know that seems odd, but it's something he finds comfort you in. You know that I can that I can get because there are lots of there are lots of things that people would consider weird that make that make people comfortable. Little people's everyone's has their own little rituals, whether it's washing your face at a specific time or whether it is, you know, always I don't know, leaving leaving a heads up penny places. Like, it, it, everyone has their weird little rituals. Yeah. So that I can get, but it's a lot of fucking leaves. Trees and leaves. Yeah, so Dr. James Allen Fox of Northeastern University, who has written five different books about serial killers, uh, was quoted saying, If trees give him comfort at all and were familiar at all, that would explain why he would put the bodies in the tree. So when he's trying to think yeah. of how to dispose of them and where to put them, well, tree. He, oh yeah, trees are on his mind. I'm sure he, being involved in love with trees, knows them a lot more than anyone else. I'm sure yeah. when he's thinking, where do I hide this body? He no, knows. He knew the exact tree. That was his favorite there's tree. The, that one has a hollowed out place. I can put the bags there. Like that. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So Dr. N.G. Barrel, who was the director of New York Center for Neuropsychology and Forensic Behavioral Science, said, It certainly suggests that he is likely to be mentally ill. Mentally ill as compared to other killers who show up in the news like serial killers or psychopaths. Serial killers, from professional point of view, they're not mentally ill. They have character disturbances, but they know what they're doing is wrong. They take too much pleasure, too much gratification to stop. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's an interesting... I have not really ever thought of it like that. But yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It does. And so that... Now, while I wouldn't say... I wouldn't say Matthew Hoffman is a serial killer because he had one incident. No, he would be... I... He's... I th- there's an actual definition. Is there really? Because it's not yeah. mass murder either. No, he. I think it would tech. I think it would technically be a spree killing. Yeah, because, because it was unplanned. It just happened by the events yeah, of the day. Because a serial killer, I think, it has to be multiple victims, Spread and it out. has to be longer than thirty days. I think, and then a mass murder has to be it's more than a certain amount of people and then like a terrorist attack has to be politically or socially motivated right so i I mean everything has a definition yeah i think it's probably a spree killing that's what but a spree killing might be one that has to happen in two separate locations it could just be a multiple murder yeah i don't know listeners if y'all do know the difference Friends, the de- in the the definitions between all of those, let us know. Yeah, because um, I know there's also a lot of nuance in it. But... Absolutely, which can, depending on the case, make it hard to determine what they're classified as. Exactly. Yeah. Some are very black and white and obvious, yeah. like Ted Bundy, serial killer. Exactly. So... Uh, some of them are very obviously one or more than one, like the Oklahoma City bombing, terrorist, tank. terrorist tank, and mass murder. Yeah. Boom. But yeah. So Dr. Barrel also said it would take talking to him, being Hoffman, to find out what it means. The trees. 
yeah. in the leaves. Hoffman's delusions are very elaborate delusions related to trees, what trees produce, being in and around trees, and putting people in trees. Interesting. Yeah. It's weird. I like trees a lot. I don't have leaves in my house. And no. I don't want to put people in trees. Live in trees. Like, well, and it's not so much that he wanted to put people in a tree. It's a... But that, that was, was his, his instinct. Space. Yeah. Like, that when was... When he thinks of, how do I get rid of it? Oh, I know this hollow tree. I'm going to put their bodies there. That is weird. And I if, mean, I don't... I... It's It's very specific. Yeah. And, again, it's one of those things that... If he, I almost think if he had have never spoken, because he had all that silence, like, would they have been able to convict him for anything other than the kidnapping of Sarah? Well, that's what I was saying earlier, like, if... And they may have never known. Because they found the blood. The extent of what he did. And they, the, the three disappeared. Oh, so they would have convicted him of murder without evidence. Maybe it would de- it would depend on how much blood they found and how much blood they could prove they found, because if they well, found it was, like a, it was all throughout the house. I mean, drug around the hallway, yeah, like more but, than would be acceptable to think like, oh, someone just got hurt. Yeah, but people have a lot of blood, and it would just, it would just be you would have to see is this enough blood to constitute someone would have died from this blood loss. Oh, and gotcha, gotcha. to constitute three people would have died from this blood loss kind of thing. Yeah. It would have been a, it would be a much less of a like open close trial. Yeah. Because there would be that mystery of like, okay, we, we convict him of, of Tina's murder. What do we find Tina? We haven't I... found her body. We haven't found hers or Cody's. You say this, but I feel as if there are quite a few people who are convicted of crimes where there is no evidence of the body. That's that's true. But it, it's um, all the other circumstantial evidence that brings it to the clu- but conclusion that they were um, the murderer. It's just much harder to to prove a case when you don't have a body. No, it is. It is. But there are multiple cases who people are convicted. When yes. there's no body or blood evidence. It's just the yeah. other circumstantial evidence is enough. Which, I mean, to be fair, there are also wrongful convic- convictions. Absolutely. Absolutely. But it would just be... It it would just be much less of an open-close case. I agree. Because there would be a possibility that the jury would say this is not enough evidence to say he murdered anyone. Yep. Yep, it makes it not as black and white. Yes, exactly. Yeah. On the topic of sentencing. Okay. On June 6th, 2011, Matthew... this was so... This was not long ago. uh, No, it's terrifying how recent this was. 21. Yeah. Now. She's only 21. She... Oh my god. She's still a kid. She's still a kid. If you're 21 or younger and you're like, hey, I'm not a kid. You're a kid. You're a kid. You're a kid. Um, I'm a kid. (laughs) I'm a fucking kid. You are a fucking kid. I oftentimes still feel like a kid. On June 6, 2011, Matthew Hoffman pleaded guilty and was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Okay. 
But um, that is the case of the kidnapping of Sarah Maynard and the unfortunate homicide of her mom, Tina, brother Cody, and her mom's friend, Stephanie. Fuck, this episode was a lot. Uh, yeah. I mean, let's let's go into postmortem. Okay. Yes. I I, I know what I'm going to say, and I'm just going to get it out. Mine was insanely intense and tree yes. stump and dismemberment and, like, kidnapping and yeah. multiple murders. But yours was... It shook me to my core. Because yeah. it was two 10-year-olds who kidnapped, tortured, and murdered a two-year-old and had the... They had the mental capability to plan out putting him on the railroad tracks yeah. to make it look like an accident and... A lot of the cases we go with, uh, that we that we research and we talk about, are heinous, horrible crimes. But this one, it's it's almost eleven thirty. I I don't know how easily I'm gonna fall asleep tonight. Uh, just thinking about this same. and having researched it and just same. I have no idea how I'm gonna sleep tonight. Yeah, like I um. I don't enjoy researching any of these cases, no. but I I do enjoy like look like learning a lot of it in the way of like watching a a good like true crime documentary or yeah. listening to a good true crime podcast, which this one is. But I didn't enjoy anything about this case. No, it seems as if that research and even your telling of it was a struggle. I'm know. glad we have we're not recording until. For another week. I know. I That's, know. Yeah. Same. Same. Yep. <laughs> but on that note, I think this has been a heavy enough episode. And yeah. we're going to let y'all go. Yeah. But um, make sure to... I don't even know how to transition into this, but I, yeah. make sure to, to like and follow us and, you know, <laughs> Give us, let uh... us know what your thoughts are and some of the topics that we're picking. and. Yeah. Um, let us know other topic ideas and just what your thoughts are. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Yeah. Um, email us, bloodandwinepodcast at gmail.com. Just- yeah, reach out to us. We're very quick to respond. I found out the other day Brittany actually has the notifications go to her phone, so she will be very quick yep. to respond or to at least see the email. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Um, thank you guys so much for listening, for your support. Yep. Um, the rating and reviewing us is huge. It's important. It lets us know yes. what you, um, what you like, what you are. Just rate and review yeah. us. It it brings us up in the rankings on iTunes, and we appreciate it because then more people mm-hmm. like you can find our podcast. Exactly. So, well, uh, with that, um, this is Blood and Wine signing off. XOXO. See you guys later. Bye. Bye.